I've been asked recently by some young leaders and pastors, and it's hard for me to say that I'm no longer the young leader, but I'm the old guy. And they asked me, they said, have you ever felt like quitting ministry? My response was seriously, every week for 40 years. But I've learned something, and this is what I want you to write down. Our quitting point is usually God's starting point. Our quitting point is usually God's starting point. I want to pray with us today that God would begin to speak to those that are in this place today. Father, may your Holy Spirit speak to us in these next few minutes. Let the word of God take root and let the word of God begin to bring healing and hope in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Our quitting point is usually God's starting point. That's why 2 Corinthians is one of my favorite New Testament books because it's real Paul. It's transparent Apostle Paul. He speaks about personal pain. He speaks about discouragement in his life. He speaks about even the feeling of dying. And in fact, he holds nothing back in 2 Corinthians. And in fact, in 2 Corinthians 4, Paul speaks about the quitting point. And remember, when the quitting starts, that's just the starting point of God. When quitting point happens, God is usually beginning his work inside of us that we can't do it on our own strength. Listen to what the apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. He says, therefore, and he's summing up this entire chapter with that word, therefore, we do not lose hearts. Though our outer man is decaying, hallelujah, our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing, something is happening with the battles that we're going through. For us, an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. Then he ends the chapter with this. While we look not at the things which are seen, but we look at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Hallelujah. See, he starts this off with this phrase, we do not lose heart. Those are important words. In fact, a similar phrase to that is, we don't quit. That appears in other translations. It's literally Paul speaking that. That phrase, we don't lose heart, literally begins to, is equivalent to quitting. And when Paul said, here's the other important word. When Paul said, we do not lose heart, Paul was speaking about himself. He was putting himself in that group. To say we don't lose heart means that quitting was even an option on the table for even Paul and what he was facing, what he was going through. Even walking through the sanctuary today, one of the things that I love to do before service starts is just getting the chance to meet you and to pray with some of you. I couldn't even get to the back wall um, when I was talking with people when I started just to hear what people were going through. And the first three people that I just prayed for, just there was this, there was this depression that they said, just pray. There's, there's depression, there's hurt, there's a heaviness. And we just prayed. We said, God, from the very first song to the final amen, lift that anxiety and pour out the Holy Spirit upon them. That God would begin to do that. Because what they were going through, and I told them this, I said, what you're going through is similar. And now you see it in the Apostle Paul. Because people all the time are looking to quit. People will quit marriages. They'll quit rehab programs. People will quit school. They'll quit university. They're, they've been quitting jobs. They've, in fact, called this last year the year, the great year of the great resignation. That people have been quitting jobs and trying to go into different careers. Um, and they said more people are quitting jobs at this time than any other. But then a new article came out and said that 80% of those who quit regret quitting the jobs. Because what usually happens sometimes is regret follows when you quit too soon. I was reading a story a few years ago that, that was going through some of the, the kind of the, the little the little plots during the California gold rush. And I was reading about the Harvey brothers. These two brothers had sold everything they had because they went on a tip that there was gold 
on the West Coast that there was a gold mine and they discovered a vein of the shining ore, staked the claim, proceeded to, 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 to dig and they found gold out of one of the mines. And, they, and, and the story said they dug so deep and all went well at first, but then a strange thing happened. The vein, which seemed to produce, just stopped at that, at that point. And now it became more work, but no, no, nothing was being yielded from all their hard work. And then all of a sudden it came to the end of their rainbow and there was no pot of gold for them. And the brothers continued to pick away and to dig away with no success. And finally they, they quit in disgust. And for a few hundred dollars sold everything they had, the land and the equipment, and just went back home and quit. And the man who bought the rights hired an engineer, advised them, continue digging in the same spot where these guys left off. And the new owner started digging. Listen to this. And they said, in three feet, struck the largest gold mine in that time. Three feet. They quit three feet away. Three feet away. Sold everything and quit three feet away. And I'm telling you, the apostle Paul is about to tell us today, keep digging. God is going to come through for you today. Keep digging. God is about to throw. Just when you think, pack it up and go home, God goes, stay there. Don't lose hearts three feet away and wait till you see what God's going to do. When we get to verses 16 through 18, I think Paul gives us three things to help us get that extra three feet. And I think there's three things here that I want to just talk to you about. In fact, when we get to them, they almost look like three paradoxes. A paradox is something on the surface looks um, just an absurd statement. Doesn't make sense. But as you follow it through and investigate it, you find out it to be true. It starts off, wait a second, and it ends up with, now I get it. Paul is going to give those to us in those three verses. And I feel like those that are here today, those that are watching from Nairobi, those that are watching from Ireland, and those that are here with us from Belgium and Spain, I feel like God has you here today to keep digging because I want to help you because it's going to seem like a paradox, but I feel like God is going to open this up. In fact, I think it's the great Christian writer, A.W. Tozer, that kind of helps us see paradoxical living for those that have trusted Jesus as your Savior, that have become Christians. Listen to what, how Tozer describes the Christian. He said, a real Christian is an odd number. Look at your neighbor and just kind of squint at them. He said he feels supreme love for one he has never seen, talks every day to someone he cannot see, expects to go to heaven on the virtue of another, empties himself in order to be full, admits he is wrong so he can be declared right, goes down in order to get up, is strongest when he's weakest, richest when he's poorest, dies so he can live, forsakes in order to have, gives away so he can keep, sees the invisible, hears the inaudible, and knows that which passes all understanding. Hallelujah. That's what a Christian is. So let's dig three feet. Let's strike gold in these three verses. And really what I think Paul is teaching us is really, I want you to join with Paul about fighting quitting. We're going to fight against quitting today. Fighting quitting. We're going we're gonna to believe today that God is going to give us those three extra feet today. Three extra. How many can use three more feet? Would you just, okay, let's strike gold today. So here, 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 because here's the thing, and I want to say this. Maybe you're watching or maybe someone sent this to you today, but even they said at the end of this pandemic, and we're surely not at the end of it, they were talking about new strains and variants and everything else that's coming and all those things. They said that 80% of those in ministry are looking to quit once everything quiets down. 80%. And, and, and instead of understanding that the quitting point is usually God's starting point, that three feet more, you may just strike gold. I want to give you hope today, pastor. I want to give you hope today, leader. I want to give you hope today, Christian, and we can learn from Paul about fighting quitting. And we're going to begin to believe that today. So let me give you three quick things that I see from verse 16, 17, and 18. Number one is this, that I can live with both physical decay and spiritual renewal at the very same time. 
I can live with spiritual decay? Okay, I'm going to explain this in a moment. Listen to what Paul says. He says, though our outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed day by day. Okay, let me explain to you what that phrase means. You see it on the screen. The outer man is decaying. Okay, listen to me. This is what it means. We're getting old. That's what it means. There's, there's, no, there's no getting around it. That's, that's what he's saying. He's saying we're getting old and there's no stopping it. When you get to my age, when you do a physical, um, it's, it's never yearly. They look at the physical and they go, go see this person. And if there's a blip on the radar, they, it's like you can't just do one physical. They're going like, I don't like that. I don't see that. I wanted you to take care of that. We live in an outer man society. That's what happens when you remove God is you have to try to fix the outer man. The focus today has changed to the outer man. But here's the part I want you to understand. You can delay decay, but you can't stop decay. You can get all the surgeries you want. You can do whatever you want. You can delay decay, but you can't stop decay. And that's the challenge for us. People are trying to find joy and happiness with the outer man. They'll try to do it through surgery, and now they're trying even to do it through education. That just came out that in, at the end of the pandemic, since there's so much mental health issues, there is now a college in New Jersey that says they have a master's degree in happiness. <laughs> On the other side of the East River, for only $17,000, you can get a master's in happiness. I got good news. I can give it to you cheaper. It's not a master's degree. It's knowing who the master is today. That's what you need to know today. Hallelujah. Here's the paradox. While the body of man decays, Paul was saying the spirit of a man can get stronger. And what Paul was saying was this. Give priority to renewing the inner man. That's what he was saying. He wasn't saying don't eat right. He wasn't saying don't work out. He wasn't saying don't exercise. But he was saying give priority to the inner man. Because you can renew the inner man. Get this now. You renew the inner man. I believe this. By simply prayer in the word every single day. Prayer in the word. When you call upon God, when you begin to read the word of God, I believe that you will begin to fight quitting. You will fight the losing of heart. Even Jesus says this. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke 18.1. It says he was telling them a parable. We won't go through the parable to show that all times that men ought to what? And not lose heart. Did you just see what happens? He says, if you're praying, you're not losing heart. If you're praying, you're not giving up. See, prayer is the best weapon against growing weary, losing courage, fainting. Even if decay is increasing outwardly, he says your inner man could be growing stronger and stronger. On his 80th birthday, John Quincy Adams, our sixth president, was walking slowly down a Boston street, and a friend asked him, how is John Quincy Adams doing today? Listen to the former president who is a believer in Jesus. And you're going to see 2 Corinthians 4.16. Here's what John Quincy Adams says. Thank you for asking. John Quincy Adams is doing quite well, sir. I thank you, but the house in which he lives is becoming dilapidated. That's outer man. Listen to this. It's tottering upon the foundations. Time and seasons have nearly destroyed it. Its roof is well worn out. Its walls are shattered. It trembles with every wind. Now listen to this part. The old tenement is becoming almost uninhabitable. And I think John Quincy Adams will have to move out soon. But John Quincy Adams himself, inner man, I'm doing quite well. What he was saying was, the outer man is decaying. But the inner man is doing just fine. How, how do you say that? How can our sixth president say that? Listen to what he says later on. 
John Quincy Adams once said, I have for many years made it a practice to read through the Bible once a year. And my custom is to read five chapters every morning. As soon as I get out of bed, it takes an hour. But what it does, it prepares me for every single day. So when the outer man is decaying, the inner man is being renewed. That's the challenge for us. We live in a society that wants the outer man to have the priority, but the inner man has to have it. You being here today is saying the inner man has the priority. You that are watching online from around New York City and around the world and around the United States, you're saying, I'm tuned in because I want the inner man to take priority. The the old preacher Thomas Guthrie said it like this, if you find yourself loving any pleasure better than prayer, any book better than the Bible, any house better than God's house, any table better than the Lord's table, and any person better than Christ, any indulgence better than the hope of heaven, then take alarm. Because what it was saying was this, everything is going to call you away from renewing that inner man. In the next few months, I have some outer man doctor appointments. I have a colonoscopy. Got to meet with an ophthalmologist about my eyes, a urologist, and there are probably going to be a few more in there. Let me just say this to you. Those appointments have been made, but what keeps me going is my inner man appointment every single day. Listen, and that inner man appointment is in the word. It's in prayer. So my outer man, listen to me, church, could use some help. My inner man, stronger than ever. That's what I'm excited about. My inner man, I got to, it's kind of sagging a little bit. My inner man, I feel the strength of the Holy Spirit every single day. Because every morning, I'm with God in prayer. Every morning, I'm with God in his word. You know what I feel like I'm doing? I'm digging three more feet and going to strike gold every single morning. You can take my health, but you can't take my God away. And so that's what I believe. Paul was saying this. You can have an outer man decaying, but an inner man revival happening to you. But here's the second thing. Jot this down. When heaven gets heavy, battles will get lighter. I'm going to explain that. Because this this is that paradox. When heaven starts to get heavy, battles will start to get lighter. Listen to 417. For momentary light affliction. These are crazy words. I'm going to give to you in a second what Paul is actually saying. Is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Momentary and light he takes from that. And contrast it, brings the paradox of eternal and weighty. See, when you say to somebody they carry a lot of weight in the organization, you're saying they're in charge. You're saying they're in authority. When, when you say to someone, your word carries weight in my life, what you're saying to them is your word, your sentences matter to me. They carry weight. They carry authority. They they, they have changing power to me. And so when Paul, the Apostle Paul calls it a weight of glory, it means this. Heaven matters most. That's what he's saying. Weight of glory. It says that the weight of heaven weighs more, has more authority in me than what I'm facing in a battle. I feel heaven more than I feel the struggle. Let me say that again. I feel heaven more than I even feel a struggle. See, there is something to be said about people. I want you to listen because some of you may be sitting here and this may be foreign to you, but there's something to be said about people who believe in God and believe in heaven and are able to face a struggle. It makes their struggles lighter. Friday night, I was speaking at a teen challenge bank with the founder of this church, David Wilkerson, back in the late 50s, started what is considered to be one of the one of the most successful Christ-centered rehab centers in the world, Teen Challenge, that is, that is in over 80 different countries around the world. And while I was there, I was talking to a precious sister that is battling cancer at the very end. And if you looked at her, you would never know it. As her words were, as I, as I checked on her because I knew what her struggle was, I said, how are you doing? All she said to me was this, 
not in a downer way, but with peace and joy, she just simply said to me these words, I feel like I'll be going home soon. But she wasn't saying it in depression. That, that her, her, the weight of heaven was stronger than the weight of cancer that was upon her. How could she say that? You know how? She saw something that nobody else could see. See, I believe, let me just take a little side note here. Because I believe that the Bible does something for you and shows us something that, that many people skip over. And it's Stephen in the book of Acts who is the first Christian martyr of the church. When Stephen was going to be stoned, literally stoned by the religious leaders in Acts chapter 7, moments before he would die as the first Christian martyr, something is revealed to us in the scriptures. Moments before his death, he saw home. He saw something that, that all of a sudden the weight of heaven was heavier than any rock that was thrown at him. Listen to this. But being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven, saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. The very next verse says they stoned him and killed him. Here's what's amazing when you think about this is that here is Stephen just moments before he's about to die. How does he do that? Get this now. Listen, church. He gets this because the Bible says in the beginning of that verse, being full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. Can I just tell you, spirit-filled is not denominational and it's not just for a church. It's a weapon against death that comes against us. That spirit-filled is not for Sundays. Spirit-filled is when you're in a hospital room or in a hospice and not knowing what tomorrow is going to hold. Being spirit-filled says, my eyes are open to see something that nobody else sees. It's seeing what, it, that's what spirit-filled, it's the Holy Spirit. Are you afraid of dying today? Let me just tell you this. Are you afraid of dying? Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Get filled. See something that you can't see in the natural. That'll be the third thing in just a moment. But how can Paul say that? How does, how does Paul say these momentary light afflictions? Pa Pastor Paul, Apostle Paul, how do you know what I'm going through? What this precious sister is going through cancer? Or you that are sitting here today are going through? How in the world... Can Paul say this? I want you to see what Paul calls his light momentary afflictions in the same book. Okay, ready for this? These are Paul's light momentary afflictions. He says this before this chapter and after this chapter. Let me give it to you in 2 Corinthians 11. Here's what he says. He says, in far more labors, I've been in prison, beaten times without number, danger of death, Five times I received, five times from the Jews, 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Folks, can I just stop right there? Can I just tell you, if I was just at verse one, I'm done. I'm just going like, bring me to heaven right now. This is, this, this is what Paul's calling light and momentary. Beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I've spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the world. He just doesn't stop. Dangers on the sea, dangers among the false brethren. I've been in labor and hardships through many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, apart from such external things. There is this daily pressure. Said, so apart from all these other things, I've been thinking about the church and that pressure is even on me. And then he closes the section and going, and he says this, but in Damascus, the, the ethnarch under Aretas, the king was guarding the city of the, the Damascenes in order to seize me. He says, oh yeah, by the way, I was let down in a basket through the window in a wall because they were trying to kill me. So I just wanted to throw in there my basket escape from this momentary light affliction. My, my, what I want to say to this, seriously, this is, so how does Paul do it? He says, if I can, if I can see heaven, if heaven has more weight, battles get lighter to me. In fact, he says, 
Just two chapters later, he says, in everything, I was commending myself as a servant of God. He doesn't stop. He says, I've been in much endurance in afflictions, hardships, distresses, beatings, imprisonments, entombments, in labors, in sleeplessness, in hunger. He says all this in the same book. Talk about momentary affliction. Folks, we want to throw it in if one of those hits us. Three shipwrecks, one shipwreck. If our boat is stopped in quarantine because of COVID. Ah, there is no God. Seriously, talk about somebody that has the weight of heaven upon him. How do you turn heavy into light? It's when heaven gets heavy and battles get light. C.S. Lewis said it like this. He said, if you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did the most for this present world are the ones who thought most about the next world. He says this, since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world, they become so ineffective in this world. Hey, I've been in a shipwreck. I need counseling. I've been in, in prison. I need counseling. I need, and Paul's going like, that's just momentary and light. No big deal. He says, because I'm seeing something that I've never seen before. And to Paul, can I just say this before we, we get to the final point? To Paul, this wasn't just a sermon. He wasn't just saying this to us. Do you know 2 Corinthians maybe came across as a sermon, 57 A.D.? But five years later, five years later, Paul is in a prison cell, the last cell that he would ever be in. And if you want to know if this really works, do you want to know if, if the weight of heaven, heavy heaven instead of heavy battles really works? I want you to see this because you're going to see gold struck in a prison cell. You're going to see a man that picked away three more feet and discovered goal in the maritime prison. In the book of Philippians, I want you to listen to a man that had heaven in his sight. Paul is in prison, not knowing if tomorrow he is going to die, and this is what he says about his tomorrow. Paul says this. He said, I just want Christ to be exalted in my body, whether by death or life. And then he says these words, for to me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Now look at this. For if I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for you. Yet what, listen, listen to this. What shall I choose? I'd be going, life! Choose to stay alive. Not Paul. He goes, what shall I choose? I'm not really sure. I'm torn. I'm torn. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it's more necessary for you that I remain. I'm going, this is a man that doesn't even know what tomorrow's going to hold. And he's going, hmm, what should I do? Who, who thinks like this? I'm going to tell you who thinks like this. People that see heaven. People that have the weight of heaven upon them. People that see something that no one else sees. Which leads me to the last thing. Let me just share this with you. Because I want you to dig. Don't quit. Fighting quitting today. That I want you to get this, finally. Heart eyes see more than head eyes. I'm going to explain this. Heart eyes see more than head eyes. Listen to what Paul said in 4.18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen, he says, is eternal. This is not only so good, but here's what we'll close with today. But it's so odd. Think about it. We fix our eyes on what is seen? Folks, look at that phrase. That's impossible. How, how, how can you fix your eyes on something that you can't even see? How do you fix your eyes on the unseen? Because you can't see the unseen with natural eyes. And Paul is speaking about a different pair of eyes. The next chapter gets us a step closer. Listen to what he says in the next chapter, in chapter 5. After this, after what he said, says these words, he says, we walk by faith. Come on, say that last part. Not by sight. He's talking about physical sight. Two eyes right here. The two eyes that the ophthalmologist is going to check next month. What does that mean? Because when I sit with that ophthalmologist, I'm going to say, these may be going bad. But these new eyes are doing pretty good. What eyes are you talking about? These are not the eyes in the head, but the eyes in the heart. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. 
He says, I am praying that the eyes of your what? The eyes of your what? May be enlightened. Why? Because I need you to know what is the hope of his calling. The riches. He's talking about three feet, folks. Striking gold. The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is, here comes gold, the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. Hallelujah. That's what he's talking about. He says, when you can see this way, you just struck gold. See, walking by faith is seeing with the eyes of the hearts. That's what it is. It's not seeing with these eyes. It's seeing with the new set of eyes. I have natural eyes that can see the seen, but I have supernatural eyes that can see the unseen. Heart eyes help me see what is eternal. Head eyes, I can only see the temporal. See, heart eyes see further than natural eyes. Two men were on a beach, and while they were there, one man just simply looked at his friend and just says, I see a boat! And the man looked and he says, there, there's no boat out there. He goes, I, there is a boat. And the other man goes, I have 20-20 vision. There is no boat. The other man said, I've got binoculars. There's a boat. You know what, you know what walking by faith is? Binoculars. You get to see further than what these eyes can see. See, 2 Corinthians 4.18 gives the Christian binoculars. God helps you see further from a higher vantage point. The higher you are, the better you see. Hallelujah. What comes, let, let, let me read to you what comes after this. Uh, there's two parts I want you to see. What comes after Paul saying, I want the eyes of your heart to be enlightened? Right after that, the apostle Paul says this. When he was raised from the dead, he seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. He just, Jesus is up high far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, that every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And then the next chapter, this is what's so important. He's saying, this is how you can see further. <laughs> Verse six of the next chapter says, and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ. Jesus. You know what he just said? Where are we? Seated with him in heavenly places so we can see just the way he sees. He says, that's what I want you to do to your eyes. That's what the eyes of the heart is. It's seeing from that new vantage point. It's, it's, seeing, it's, it's, it's seeing beyond these natural eyes. Listen, I, I know some of you may not like this, but it's the natural eyes that can look at some Christian dating app and going, he's perfect. He goes to church. He reads the Bible. He likes Maverick City and sunsets. Okay, let me just say, the natural eyes can see what it says, but maybe the spiritual eyes go, that's not right. Something is not going, something is just not right here. Listen, I'm not, I, I'm not saying that you can't, God can't use that, but I'm just saying you better not see with this. You better see with the hard eyes on these situations. That's what God's saying. Don't just look at some form. See what God is saying. Listen, you may be a student here, and just because you have more money and scholarships for one school that all of a sudden you're going, that's the right place. But the Holy Spirit say, that's naturalized. That's, that's normalized. But I need you to see with hard eyes. Just because they have more money for a scholarship, I want you to see with hard eyes because that's not where I want you. I want you in this place. It's God speaking to us saying, see things, see the unseen. Fix your eyes on the unseen. Eyes of the heart see further. They see the danger of even holding grudges. And unforgiveness. You know what unforgiveness is? Unforgiveness is quitting the struggle. Because you're three feet away from, from striking gold of having the heart of Jesus. And instead, what unforgiveness is, is you quit. You quit trying to restore. You quit trying to pronounce forgiveness. So here's what I want to challenge you. Those online and those that are here today, I, I want you to hear the greatest story on forgiveness you will ever hear this Tuesday night. It's the greatest story on forgiveness you'll ever hear. That this Tuesday night in person, um, you're going to hear a, a, a gentleman that I've pastored with in Detroit, and you've, you've probably heard me tell the story. Kevin Ramsby is going to be with us this Tuesday night. 
he has been stabbed 37 times by the same man. I'm going to let him tell the story. The miracles, 37 times. And he's speaking this Tuesday night. I'm telling you, bring as many people as you can to hear this story. The miracles are unbelievable. But the greatest miracle is that he dug away for forgiveness. When everybody was telling him, they asked him at first, and he almost stopped picking away for gold. They, the, the lawyers asked him and the judge asked him, how many years do you want for this man? He says, at first he said, I want a year for every stab wound. And then all of a sudden, he kept digging and found forgiveness. And he said, I want you to show mercy to this man. While that man was in jail, he took care of his family. He sent the man's family Christmas presents. He did, folks, it is one of the greatest stories on forgiveness. And he's got eight feet of scars on his body. Of forgive, these, these scars tell that God will let you strike gold when you forgive. So that's why I want you to be here for Tuesday night, starting at 7 o'clock. This month is going to be crazy. First, it's Pastor Kevin. Then you're going to hear from Dr. R.T. Kendall. Then Pastor Claude comes in. And one of the great evangelists from England is coming in. J. John, Canon J. John is going to be with us in the final. You do not want to miss Tuesday nights. But I'm telling you, this Tuesday night is going to be so powerful. It's seeing those, those, those heart eyes is seeing further. I want to tell you, as we get ready to close, what Carolina saw from Israel. When more than 10 churches shut down, she didn't see with her natural eyes and go, it's not working. She saw with her spiritual eyes something more. It had been so easy for Carolina to quit and lose heart because the churches have shut down. Instead, she saw the church through the eyes of her heart more than a building, simply being the church through the pandemic. We, we told this story in our TSC weekly update. Listen to what Carolina said. I'm a Messianic Jew who moved to Israel 12 years ago from Colombia. Ten years ago, I learned about Times Square Church from YouTube. In May 2020, when the pandemic started, I was able to finally meet Times Square Church congregants and participate in the connect groups online. I started leading my first online connect group in June of 2020 and have led several groups in the past year and a half. Currently, this is incredible. Currently, I'm leading three connect groups from Israel. Two are online, and the third, this is the one that gets me. The third is a local group in Tel Aviv. More than 10 congregations closed their doors in, in, in our area in the last three years. So many Messianic believers like me needed local fellowship. So I opened up the connect group with my friends, and this is actually our local congregation. We're a small bunch, but God has been faithful. Shalom from Israel. That's what she did was she saw, not with this, Ten churches have closed, so, so we can't do this. But she saw with the eyes of her heart that the church is bigger. She struck gold. Paul was helping her and helping us, helping Kevin to dig three more feet. Paul was helping us about fighting, quitting. And God goes, just stay with it. And Paul gives us these tools that we can live with both physical decay and spiritual renewal. When heaven gets heavy, Battles will start to get lighter. Heart eyes are more than head eyes. Let me finish. I want to read to you this same passage from the message. I want you to hear these words. It's so good. Eugene Peterson sums it up like this. He says, 2 Corinthians 4. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us. On the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These are hard times, he says. He says these, he says, these hard times. I'm sorry, go back to the, uh, the, the verse. Uh, these are hard times. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it looks like things are falling apart. But this is the part I like. Not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. And here's what he says in 17. These are hard times are like small potatoes. I like that, small potatoes. <laughs> compared to the good times. The lavish celebration prepared for us. Listen to 18. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are just here today and gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see will last forever. Okay. 
Cindy is, is with our daughter today. There's, there was a, something with a volleyball thing that she's doing. And, and she sent me this thing. She said, the New York News said this. She said, last night, if you stay up late, you can see for the first time what can only be seen from Norway and Iceland. That over New York City, you'd be able to see the great northern lights. Okay, some of you are groaning. You missed it. Let me just tell you. Some of you didn't even know it. The northern lights that you could never see unless you were in Iceland, you were able to see last night. In fact, New York City shut down the lights on, the world, on one World Trade Center, the Empire State Building, the Chrysler Building, from 9 p.m. to 3 a.m. If you're wondering why the buildings went dark, it was so New Yorkers can see the great northern lights. Okay, let me just tell you. Some of you... <laughs> You're groaning about this and nothing else. Okay, let me just help you. I went to bed. I'm just telling you right now. I went to sleep. But I, I want to say this. All I thought about was this. I was thinking of the story of a little girl walking with her dad, looking at the beauty of the world, and she said this. She says, Daddy, if the wrong side of heaven is beautiful, what must the right side of heaven be like? Hallelujah. Listen. Outer man goes, northern lights. Inner man goes, if that's cool, wait till you see what God has prepared for you today. Those that are here today, you know what I want to do? I want you to be on the right side of heaven. That's what I want. I want you to be on the right side. I want, I want you to see something, not with your physical eyes, but with your natural eyes. Because it's the most important question you can ever be asked is, how do you get to the right side? How do you get to heaven? How do you know that when this life is over, how do you feel that today? And some of you are already feeling that. Maybe our visitors from Spain and Belgium, those that are here from France and from, from all over the world and those that are watching online, I want you to experience heaven. How does that happen, Pastor Tim? Jesus makes the instructions very clear. He says this, no man, can see the right side, the kingdom of heaven. No man can see it unless they're born again. That's what he says. He says, no man can see it unless they're born again. Well, so this may mess up some of you that when you start talking about the right side of heaven, that if, it's, if you could see beauties down here, what must the right side of heaven be like? How do you get there, Pastor Tim? This is, this is the most important question is how do you get to heaven? Because some of you are already formulating, well, I was baptized, I'm, I'm religious, I've been to church, I've been to mosque or synagogue, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Methodist, I'm a Jew, I'm a Muslim. Some of you have, have, have gone through, I've, gone, I've been baptized, I've had first communion, I was confirmed, I'm a good person, I haven't hurt anybody, I pay all the bills. That's, listen, it's all good stuff. That verse doesn't say that. Jesus says, you must be born again. That's what he says. So, so let me just help you, those that are visiting with us. Jesus, who does not lie, cannot lie. Can we just agree on this? If there's anyone who knows the directions to his own home, it's Jesus. So whatever directions you just came up with right now, I'm a good person. I've done good things. I haven't hurt anybody. Listen, those are your directions. That's not Jesus's directions. You got to listen to the right directions. And today that can happen. How, how, how is that, Pastor Tim? Listen, those that are watching online from around New York City, around the country and around the world, those that are sitting in the balcony on this main floor, maybe someone invited you. Maybe you heard there's going to be a gospel choir or there's a church or some of you going like, well, it's Sunday before we go to the airport. Let's just go to church. I'm telling you, you're in the right place today. Jesus said, you must be born again, John 3, 5. And this is what he said. He was telling us that just as you had a first birth physically, you need a second birth spiritually. Sitting in these chairs, there's no magic chairs here. Singing the songs, being in this building, there's nothing special about this building. And today you can be born again. Today, you can make the most important decision of your life online in this place, and you're going to have this opportunity. Well, Pastor Tim, how can I become born again today? Here it is. It's as simple as ABC. Those, those three letters that we always 
try to make things simple. I, I say that because I just want it to be that simple. Those three letters correspond to three important words. It's A, admitting that we are sinners. It's when I get honest with God that all of us, starting with myself, have a condition called sin. And can it be fixed? There's not a promise, a program, a priest, a pastor. There's nothing we can do to fix us. I'm broken on the inside. The diagnosis is sin. I'm a sinner. It's the admission of that. Or as one man said, he said, we're not mistakers in need of correction. We're sinners in need of a savior. We don't need a second chance. We need a second birth. How does that happen? That's the B word. It's believing, admitting I'm a sinner, B, believing that God sent his son for you and for me to fix our sinful condition because I can't fix me. If we could fix ourselves, listen to our guests, watching online and in person, if we could fix ourselves, then God putting his son through the suffering that we're going to celebrate next week on Good Friday in our Easter services is the ultimate case of child abuse. To say, come down, suffer on the cross, resurrect from the dead, and then I'm going to tell them, be good people, and then you go to heaven. It doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make sense. If I could get myself to heaven by being good, then Jesus would never have to come and die on the cross. But Jesus did come because his death was him bearing my sin. What he was doing was he was dying the death I was supposed to die, living a life I couldn't live, and giving me a reward, heaven and forgiveness I didn't deserve. And finally, it's confessing Jesus as Lord. A, admitting, B, believing, C, confessing him as Lord. I mean, I just say it with my mouth? No, no, no. The word confess has power because we add the word Lord to it. That's Romans 10, 9, and 10. The very same man, the Apostle Paul, who wrote 2 Corinthians, wrote Romans, and he said this, that when we confess him as Lord, which means you're the boss now. See, that phrase switches it from religion to relationship. Jesus did not die on the cross to simply to get you to sit in a church on a Sunday for 90 minutes. Jesus didn't die to get you to church, Jesus died to get you to live with him forever in heaven. That's what he's come to do. And that can happen today. Today can be the start of your journey. Because Christianity is not coming to a place, it's coming to a person. That's why you could be listening to this on a Wednesday or a Thursday next week, and still it works. God doesn't work on Sundays and take six days off. God is on the ball every single day. And right now it can happen. That second birth can take place right now in this place. How, Pastor Tim? I want to pray a born-again prayer. And some of you are going like, I can't pray it because I'm not perfect. Exactly. Perfect people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And that can happen right now. It can happen to you watching from Kenya, you watching from Ireland, you watching from the Philippines or the Caribbean. It can happen right now. And you that are here on 51st and Broadway. I want everybody that's here to just close your eyes and bow your head for just one moment. This is the most important decision. Christians, I'm going to ask you to pray. And those that are with us today, I want to ask you the most important question anybody could ever ask you. Those online, those in person, have you been born again? And today that can happen. I'm going to pray a, a born again prayer. And we'll all pray it together. But if you're saying, Pastor Tim, I want to start that journey with God today. Online, I want to start that journey with God today. If you're here today, balcony and main floor, and say, I want to start that. Those, those eyes, I'm seeing now. I'm seeing what God wants for me. I'm feeling the weight of heaven. I understand outer man, inner man. My inner man is crying out for God right now. And today, this could happen. Today could be, change your forever. Forever. And if you're here with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not going to make you stand we have some COVID principles that we are in protocol that we're trying just to kind of adhere to. And, and as time goes on, we'll loosen up a little bit. But right now, if you're here today, I'm not going to make you stand. I'm not going to ask you to walk forward. But I'm going to ask you this with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today, I'll be the one that's looking around and say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that born again prayer, put me in that prayer. I want to start a journey with God. If that's you, in this place, balcony and main floor, watching online, if you're saying, put me in that prayer, Pastor Tim, without any hesitation, would you just hold up your hand now and say, put me in that prayer. Hold it up high because I want to make sure I see every hand that's up. Keep them up. 
is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Keep them up. I want to make sure 19, 20, 21, 22. Balcony, let me make sure I just see every hand that's up. 23, keep them up. 24, all the way in the back. Just keep them up. 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32. You could put your hands down. Hallelujah. Thank God. Those that are watching online, I know you can't lift your hands. We can see, but I want you to just to type in decided right now on the chat line. Just say, I put, that's how you're going to put your hand up online. Those that are watching from all over the world, just type in decided. Say, I'm praying that prayer with you. Can we do this with all those that are in this place? Not just those 32 and those online. Let's all pray this together. Come on, church. Say this with me out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me, so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Okay, we like to say this part loud. Come on, church. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. Here it comes. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Come on, put your hands together. Hallelujah. I want you to stand with me today. Those online, you type in decided. And those that are in this place, I want you to do something for me. I want you to text the word decided to 51,000. We're going to have a whole bunch of new things coming up for those that text this word in that's going to help you on this brand new journey of, of all that God has for you on this brand new step. It's just taking the first step. That's all we're going to do is just help you on your next step is, is what we're going to do. Even if you don't live in the New York area. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message and be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.